Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we take a trip to Canada's Diversity Gardens. Slated to open in 2019, we visited Assiniboine Park to learn about the project from Gerald Dilliman, the project director, and David Thomas, the design consultant for the gardens. We learned about what to expect when the gardens open, as well as the motivations behind the gardens' impressive modern design. Then we'll learn about Camp Manitou with Rick Bohinski, camp director at Camp Manitou. He'll join us to talk about some of the recent enhancements to the camp and what that means for the campers who attend. And as always, Noah Ehrenberg will join us in studio to tell us about what's new on Community News Commons, Winnipeg Citizen Journalism Project. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good day, hello, and thank you for tuning in to River City 360. My name is Nolan. Your name is Robert. <laughs> it sure is. How's your week been, sir? It's been pretty good. How about yours? That's been good. We went on a couple field trips, some River City 360 on locations uh, this this and last week, actually. So it's kind of cool to uh, get out and about in the community and learn some stuff about uh, different organizations and, and uh, what's coming down the pipe here in Winnipeg. Absolutely. And you know, the weather has been a little bit all over the map, but luckily for Classic us, Manitoba. the weather was actually quite nice uh, yeah. both times we went out. So that was great. Very true, because it could have definitely put a sour damper on the, on the day if we had to climb the... Uh, climb the climbing wall and go down the zip line if it was minus 10 or something ridiculous like that. So it was nice that it was super beautiful out when we went to Camp Manitou mm-hmm. and also very nice when we went to uh, Canada's Diversity Gardens over at Assiniboine Park. So both days were nice, both uh, experiences were nice and we had a lot of great conversations and learned a lot about both organizations. Um, I think this week we have a lot of garden songs on the docket, I'm noticing. I've, I'm, seeing a, I'm seeing a theme here for a lot of garden-themed music. So maybe, I think in uh, general it's an outdoor-themed perfect. show. I like it. What do we got first? Well, we're going to start things off with a party, a garden party, hosted by Ricky Nelson right here on River City 360. I went to a garden party to reminisce with my old friend a chance to share old memories and play our songs again when I got to the garden party they all knew my name Recognize me, I didn't look the same, but it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. You see, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. People came from miles around, everyone was there. Yoko brought a walrus. There was magic in the air And over in the corner Much to my surprise Mr. Hughes hid in Dylan's shoes Wearing his disguise But it's all right now I learned my lesson well You see, you can't please everyone So you got to please yourself Da-da-da-da 
played them all the old songs I thought that's why they came No one heard the music We didn't look the same I said hello to Mary Lou She belongs to me And I sang a song about a honky-tonk City 360. Thanks you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, so last week here at River City 360, we were able to visit Canada's Diversity Gardens to check out the progress on the new facility and the grounds that's uh, going to be due for completion in 2019. Uh, so Canada's Diversity Gardens is the third phase of the renewal of the Assiniboine Park Conservancy, and uh, they welcomed us for a tour of the grounds as well as a couple of great conversations about the project itself. We were able to speak with both Gerald Dilliman, project director, and David Thomas, a design consultant, about Canada's Diversity Gardens. Uh, the motivation behind the design for the entire project and what people can expect is kind of what we talked about most of the time Uh, but we're going to get to our conversation with David a little bit later in the show Uh, but first our conversation with Gerald Dilliman. We asked him about what exactly will make up the garden and what people can expect when Canada's Diversity Gardens is scheduled to open in 2019. So there's, there's four pieces to Canada's Diversity Gardens. One is the leaf, which is the, the biome space that, that has the indoor component. Uh, and then the other three are outdoor spaces. Um, they are the Indigenous People's Garden, the Cultural Mosaic Gardens, and the Grove. What do you think people are going to most be taken by when they first come here, when it, things open up in 2019, is that right? So the building will be ready at the end of 19, if we're on schedule. Um, and I think what will... Um, I think what people will connect with the most is is the the vastness and the of of the building and of the landscape. It's it's um, it, it's not meant to be overwhelming, but it is meant to uh, encompass you and, and when you walk in to feel immersed. And it's that immersive feeling that we're really trying to achieve. And and um, that I think that'll be the the aha moment for a lot of people. Some of the design mock-ups that you guys have 
uh, here are very awe-inspiring and very sort of modern and impressive. Um, how do you sort of, uh, how, how's the design built to be bo both modern and impressive and still sort of back to the nature and, and sticking with the roots of, of, of a garden, of a traditional garden? So the focus is primarily and 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 only and and well, the focus is primarily on the plants, and so that is the the ultimate objective, the ultimate goal. Um, the architecture and the the landscape design really is there to support the plants, and so um, yes, it's a it's a tall building, but there's tall plants inside that building, and and yes, the gardens aren't extensive, but that that houses the 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 opportunity for lots of activities to happen in these spaces. So every decision about the building or or its style or the garden and its style is always relates back to the plants and how we hope to use and, and interact. So 2019, if everything goes to schedule, are you on schedule right now? What what can kind of people expect in the next couple of years when when it comes to Canada's diversity garden? We, we, we're definitely on schedule. Um, and by the end of 19 is when we hope to open the building. Uh, the gardens will probably see their first full year in the, the following year, 2020. And what we can see over between now and the end of 2019 is, of course, the construction of, of this facility. Over the next, I'd say, 18 months, really will be primarily focused on the building and, and all the infrastructure that happens there. Over the next year, it's a lot of the things that you see under, that well, you won't see. They're all underground and getting the building, the foundation built and all of those, the infrastructure in. And then as, as we go, the, the structure of the building goes up and then the gardens themselves get developed closer to the end. And what is this going to mean for Winnipeggers and, and for youth specifically? Because I think a lot of uh, focus is being put on education and having people be able to learn a lot about, about plants and about horticulture. Uh, so what do you think it's going to mean for, for local Winnipeggers when they come here? Well, it's important not to forget that the whole project is part of the revitalization of Cinnabine Park. Um, and so this is the third step in that renovation program. We saw the heart of the park a few years ago. We saw developments in the zoo and now this project. And again, it, it really speaks to um, the commitment of the community in terms of support for all of the work that's happened in the park so far and, and, um, and setting the stage for the next 100 years of this park. And so um, what, we're, what we started with about 10 years ago was, was a park that needed a lot of help, a lot of, a lot of uh, input. And um, basically what our goal was to set the stage for the next generation and multiple generations. And, and that's really the key thing. Um, so where can people learn more right now? Where can people go to find out more about what's going to be coming down the pipe and, and just sort of keep up with all the news that's coming out? So we, we do keep things updated on our website at assembleparkca backslash cdg. Um, that's where you can find information about the project, some images of the project, and a, a short video of, of the project as well, and get an idea of, of uh, where in the park we're talking about and the size and scale of what we're talking about. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I learned a lot, and uh, yeah, I look forward to coming back when it's nice and open and we can really get a full scope of what's, what's happening here. Thanks. Thanks again to Gerald Dilliman, the project director at Canada's Diversity Gardens, for giving us a little glimpse into an exciting new project over at Assiniboine Park. Now that we know what is going to make up the gardens, we can learn a little bit about the motivation behind some of the design choices as well. And so that's why we sat down with David Thomas, the design consultant for the project. He told us all about the design of the gardens, including the importance of the Indigenous perspective and his hope for how youth will connect with the gardens once they're open. We'll have more with David after this quick musical break, but in keeping with our theme today about 
the outdoors in general. We have another garden-themed song for you. Here's Lynn Anderson with Rose Garden right here on River City 360. I beg your pardon I never promised you a rose garden Along with the sunshine There's gotta be a little rain sometime When you take you gotta give so could promise you things like big diamond rings But you don't find roses growing on stalks of clover So you better think it over Well, if sweet talking you could make it come true I would give you the world right now on a silver platter Just as soon let you go But there's one thing I want you to know You better look before you leap Still waters run deep And there won't always be someone there To pull you out And you know what I'm talking about So Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And as we mentioned before the break, uh, last week we got to visit uh, Assiniboine Park to get a sneak peek at Canada's Diversity Gardens, which is slated for a 2019 grand opening. David Thomas is a design consultant for the project, and we were able to sit down with him for a, after a short tour of the grounds to talk about some of his inspiration, some of his influences and motivations behind the design of Canada's Diversity Gardens. <music> So we just finished taking a little tour kind of around the gardens and, and everything. Uh, tell me a little bit about your inspiration for your design on the Canada's Garden. I am basically facilitating the vision and uh, different values that came from the community. Uh, elders, youth, um, different professionals, educators, um, traditional you know, teachers, and we just tried to find the... Uh, what was important to all of them. And uh, I guess I'd probably have a 
some of my personal values in there too somewhere but uh it's i the inspiration is really what we could sense in in those people and what was important to them and why are those perspectives important because um winnipeg itself uh, is made up from these people and manitoba is made up from the people who have always been here and uh that it's important because it's the continued growth of, uh, of our city and the province and um, the growth of Indigenous communities and the role of Indigenous communities within um, within Winnipeg and also in you know in the economy and the culture and everything that we have here and so it's just a continuation it's a, it's another it's an area of growth and uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it and hopefully just see it something that will just continue in other areas too of, of, uh, of our community. Uh, during your presentation in the tour you talked a lot about storytelling and the importance of that in the Indigenous sort of culture. Um, what are some of the opportunities and challenges in telling a story through design and through architecture? Well I think um, there's two things you have to be aware of. One is that you're presenting something that people can relate to, non-Indigenous people can relate to, and people from other parts of the world. And uh, that's one half. The other half is to find um, meaning um, in the stories or in the imagery or the, the shapes or just whatever you're creating, finding, finding meaning that comes from the heart, from the community, from people, from personal stories, from stories are handed down and you know there may not be not be may not be a specific story but it may be the um the the values in that story the the sense of family and relationship and we're trying to actually like those are human things so we're trying to create spaces that those things can happen and that we're we're in a way coaxing those things to happen in, in when people come to the the park just sort of a general universal experience and feeling that someone might feel when they experience the garden. Yeah, yeah, something like we're all human and we're going to um, always feel something when we go, you know, under a canopy of trees or sit in the grass in the shade. But uh, specifically, we're in Winnipeg, so and we're by the river. So there's a history of, you know, transportation travel for thousands and thousands of years. And there's things that we can do to make people aware of those those activities and that history. What do you hope? You talked a little bit in your presentation about the youth and indigenous youth and reconnecting to their to their roots a little bit. What do you hope uh, both indigenous and non-indigenous youth are going to get from experiencing uh, the garden and Canada's diversity garden? Well, what I hope is that there's a place where indigenous people, youth. Uh, can come to and walk onto a site and walk into some trees and see something that reminds them of where they come from. Maybe they're from the north or maybe they're from a community you know, in, the so in the southern Manitoba, but they'll see words or stories or images that they've heard all their lives. You know, it may be, it may be a certain texture of, um, of, uh, of a material in some object that was constructed on the site or a sculptural piece or something but it's something that it it widens their experience in an urban place 
so they're not constricted to just what's forced on them, but they step into a place that's pre-made. They're, okay, here, we understand who you are, where you come from, and this space recognizes you and acknowledges you, and you can step into it, and you don't have to do any, you know, make any effort to try to orientate yourself. You step into something that opens up who you are, and you recognize, uh, you know, something inside you responds to this space. Did you have something like that growing up, or is this you want to sort of use that as a gift for for your kids and for the next generation? I think that I had an atmosphere for my family, which was deeply indigenous from our community that I grew up in, that I've always had, and uh, that is um, comes from the values that we've we've passed down for generations in our community. It's respecting the elders. It's certain names and certain attitudes of how we treat each other and it's also a way of looking at the world where there's excitement and there's there's um real real uh mystery of what's going to happen next in life and you can make it happen and 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 i think that 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 environment and those attitudes they don't have negative things that are at the forefront Mm -hmm. and so it's celebrating life and celebrating what what you're what's around you and i i think um the, the, the skills that I have as a designer, they come from being in, in, you know, sitting in the grass and drawing and sitting under a tree, listening to the sounds of the trees and the smells that are, they, they heighten your awareness to what you're creating and what's, what's around you. And so I would say that nature itself would be that environment mm-hmm. that I've had. And um, I'm sure it is for probably everyone. So for many people, so mm-hmm. um, I'm just recreating the best that I know from what was given to me from my parents. This will kind of be an opportunity for someone who doesn't, you know, there's a lot of kids who have never left the walls of Winnipeg and have just been in a city their whole lives, been in the sort of the concrete jungle. So this will give them an opportunity to reconnect with nature and with just sort of laying under a tree every so often. What, uh, looking forward, what are you most excited about from Canada's diversity garden? I think the food. (laughs) (laughs) I think the actually, um, I think cooking and seeing plants grow and actually just sharing and hearing people who are knowledgeable about food and um, I think that really opens a, a, a place where you can you see yourself in a different role as you know for as an urban person where you're eating fast food and whatever you do you see yourself in a role where you're actually your energy is going towards creating creating that. So I think that there's a lot in there about working and I guess it's like a container where teachings are handed down. And I'm hoping to be a part of that where there will be people who will be able to teach and, and talk about, you know, about those, those quality of foods and plants that, that I can actually learn something. And, and I already have learned so much, but something that I can learn and hold in my heart and maybe put in my day to day that I can you know, share with my kids. For sure. Well, thank you very much for everything today. I appreciate your time. Learned a lot. And uh, yeah, good luck in the future. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nolan. And thanks again to David Thomas, the design consultant for Canada's Diversity Gardens. As we mentioned a little earlier on in the program, you can learn more about the project by visiting assiniboinepark.ca forward slash CDG. That's CDG for Canada's Diversity Gardens. 
Coming up after the break, we will speak with Rick Bohinski, the camp director at Camp Manitou, to learn a little bit more about what's been new at the camp since True North Youth Foundation got involved with the operations of Camp Manitou. It'll be a very interesting interview to uh, learn more about, but before we get to that, we are going three for three on the garden theme songs today, so here is English Country Garden by Jimmy Rogers right here on River City 360. How many kinds of sweet flowers grow in an English country garden? I'll tell you now of some that I know, and those I miss you'll surely pardon. Daffodil, hearts, ease, and flocks, meadow sweet and lady smocks, gentine, lupin, and tall hollyhocks, roses, foxgloves, snowdrops, forget-me-nots, in an English country garden. In an English country garden. How many insects come here and go through our English country garden? I'll tell you now of some that I know And those I miss you surely pardon Fireflies, moss and bees Spiders climbing in the trees Butterflies that sway on the cool gentle breeze There are snakes, ants that sting And creeping things in an English country garden In an English country garden How many songbirds fly to and fro through our English country garden? I'll tell you now of some that I know, and those I miss you'll surely pardon. Bobolink, cuckoo, and quail, tanger, and cardinal, bluebird, lark, Fresh and nightingale, there is joy in the spring when the birds begin to sing in an English country garden. In an English country garden. Robin, Robin, Robin. Don't forget the Robin. Don't forget the Robin, Robin. Robin, Robin, Robin. Don't forget the Robin. It's a summer camp that's growing by leaps, bounds, and zips. The zip line is just one of many recent upgrades at Camp Manitou, a summer camp and recreation facility. The new activities have made a huge difference for the kids who come here. We fixed up the pool and that's made a huge difference. We added the new climbing wall and the new zip line a year and a half ago. That's Rick Bohinski, Camp Manitou's camp director. And now we've added the bathroom and shower facility, which helps service our 12 new cabins, which again has been a game changer because that's got us into overnight camping. And we fixed up the lodge and washrooms and a lot of those investments have just made a huge difference in the experience and the environment that the kids get to enjoy camping. Camp Manitou is nestled alongside a bend in the Assiniboine River just outside of Winnipeg. 
It was founded in 1930 by a group of Winnipeg service clubs as a way to provide camp experiences to underserved youth. A few years ago, the True North Youth Foundation stepped up to help continue that tradition. Yeah, I guess it started three and a half years ago in January of 2014 when True North found out that the six service clubs were struggling a little bit in terms of maintaining and operating the camp. And it just seemed to fit with other programs that the True North Youth Foundation was doing. It seemed like a good fit to get involved with underserved kids and to help out and create programs. And so that's when it all came about over three and a half years ago. Yeah, you're good to go now. You <laughs> Camp Manitou's number one rule is to have fun. But as Rick explained, there's also so much more that kids get out of the camp experience. It really charges the batteries for myself and our staff to see kids that have never had the chance to experience camp to get that experience. So they learn how to take a risk, how to be part of a team, how to stretch yourself, go outside, do kind of what your typical boundaries are and try something new. And that's really encouraging when you see kids that have never had the chance take that opportunity. And that's probably one of the most exciting things for me in this position. Rick mentioned that the gifts that individual donors make to Camp Manitou are a big reason why the camp is able to provide meaningful experiences to so many youth. The contributions at Jets Games are huge and allow us to do a lot of our infrastructure changes, but the contributions from donors sometimes go unnoticed and every little bit counts. The tens, the twenties, the fifties, the hundreds, and even the thousands that we get from donors make a huge difference because that's what provides meals for some of the kids, transportation for some of the kids, um, some of our sports equipment for some of the kids. So really what the donors provide is vastly important to the overall experience at camp. And we greatly appreciate the contributions of the Winnipeg Foundation has made over the years because they're substantial and anyone who's helped donate over the years really makes a huge difference in the lives of kids. And this teaming up between donors, the service clubs that started Camp Manitou, and the True North Youth Foundation have helped the camp to grow exponentially. So in terms of individual campers that have come, it's grown from each summer, it grows by a couple hundred who get that full week-long experience. But then in our in the groups that come, especially inner city groups, we've seen that jump by a couple thousand every summer to this past summer being over 8,000 kids that had a chance from groups, primarily from inner city Winnipeg, to experience camp. For us, that's super encouraging and makes us want to keep doing more and more. The positive impact even goes beyond the campers as well. It's really exciting for us not only to see the campers get opportunities, but for our university and high school students who are employed here and have a great summer job and are getting great experience working with kids. But now we see some kids that are grade 2, 3, 4, 5 when they started out in our hockey academy program, now becoming high school students who end up working here and getting a summer job. For us, I don't know if it gets any more gratifying than that to see someone who we helped now coming and giving back and helping others, which is fantastic. Having had Rick guide us on a walk through the camp, the completed upgrades that we saw were pretty impressive on their own. But as the camp continues to grow and provide more programming, Rick shared that there are a lot of improvements to Camp Manitou that are still to come. We've got 11 acres that was donated to us on the north side of the property, and that's going to be a real game changer for us. So we're going to put in a man-made lake. In addition to that, we're going to be building some new mountain bike trails and a high ropes course and putting in another zip line. Uh, it's going to be a total game changer for us at Camp Manitou. And if you'd like to learn more about Camp Manitou or to make a gift, you can visit campmanitou.mb.ca. For River City 360, I'm Robert Zirk. Thanks, Robert, and thanks again to Rick Behinsky, Camp Director at Camp Manitou. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg is on his way into the studio to talk about CNC and his favorite articles posted on Community News Commons this week. But before we get to that, the climbing wall at Camp Manitou has inspired Kate Smith with Climb Every Mountain right here 
on River City 360. River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio, as we are almost every week, by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons and friend of the show here at RC360. Noah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's always great to be here. It's always great to hear about what's happening in Winnipeg that's not through the typical mainstream sort of uh, media diet that people have these days, because CNC is written by and contributed to by citizens and it's really cool to see different stories in different communities that maybe you're not familiar with because you can write about pretty much whatever you want on community news comments so what are some of the interesting stories that have been published on cnc this week that you'd like to share well this week i really like this story by ann ha who was writing about an event that took place about a month ago but people are still talking about it and of course it's the closing ceremony it's the the spectacular closing ceremony that honored athletes and volunteers at the 50th anniversary of the canada games it was known as the hottest summer in 50 years and the send-off that capped that hottest summer was a spectacular event as i mentioned and and writes a story about what it took to actually pull this thing off you can imagine it was a it was a huge uh, ceremony and uh, there were hundreds of people involved 
many, many dancers, uh, lots of different performers. And it's, um, it's a really interesting snapshot of what it takes to do something like this and how it put Winnipeg on the map when mm-hmm. it comes to, you know, performers and dancers and really um, those that are, you know, directing those performers and dancers. We talk about that a lot here in Winnipeg about putting the city on the map. You know, the Jets obviously does that, the Bombers, the Gold Eyes in the finals. But what else puts Winnipeg on the map? I understand there's another story that was uh, published that kind of does just that. Yeah, well, it's an event that's actually happening right now, and uh, this is a story by uh, David G. Newman, who oh, writes, friend of the show. That's correct. <laughs> he, he writes about Peace Days, and Peace Days. Um, it, it was an event that was uh, inspired by the United Nations International Day of Democracy, which is September fifteenth every year, as well as the International Day of Peace, which is September twenty-first. And uh, essentially, it um, came to be because Rotary International District 5550 started the event back in 2010. And so every year since then, there is a annual uh, Peace Days that happens here in Winnipeg. And there's all sorts of events that get us thinking about peace and about all the different things that uh, the world needs to do with regards to peace. And so David Newman writes an excellent story. It's called World is Watching Winnipeg. And uh, he really gets into how Winnipeg has all sorts of different events, all sorts of different uh, venues, and um, different activities that happen throughout the year that honor peace and spread uh, peace around the world. And so it's a very interesting read by David Newman. It's called World is Watching Winnipeg. That's cool. We're, we're, I mean, we're known as the heart of the country already, but it's interesting to think about us as sort of a center or a hub for talking about peace and talking about just the sort of really good things that happen in the world and how to maintain those. Yeah, and one of the uh, and another story that kind of picks up on that theme in terms of us or Winnipeg being a, a center for peace is a story by Susan Hubert that uh, talks about the Canadian Museum for Human Rights in a recent exhibit there or in a, an exhibit that's going on right now where an artist has actually taken life jackets and these are life jackets would which would have been sort of strewn along the beach. Um, where uh, refugees tried to cross over a body of water in order to get to freedom oh, and to God. safety. And so they've, they, they, this artist looked at the beach, covered in discarded life vests, and decided, I'm going to take that, I'm going to make something uh, the, of an artistic nature from it, and I want to highlight the plight of millions of refugees. So this is a story by Susan Hubert that looks at this particular artist and how they've taken the, um, these life vests and they've created something that uh, is very meaningful and uh, really gets us thinking about uh, what it means to be free, what it means to live in a, in a safe world, and uh, what it means to welcome people to, uh, to our country. Yeah, I can't imagine having to struggle just for the chance at what we take for granted every single day. People are literally putting their lives on the line for something that we're born with, which is kind of very humbling and kind of scary to think about. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, putting Winnipeg on the map, I like to hear it in any sorts of ways. So if you want to head over to communitynewscommons.org, cncwpg.org, you can read all these and all articles that have been submitted by citizen journalists trying to put Winnipeg on the map because CNC, I think, does just that in a different way, not 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 the normal sort of mainstream media way. So head on over to cncwpg.org for more. So no, at the end of our time together, we've asked you to bring us a song that maybe our listeners haven't heard. So what have you got for us this week? Well, this week I, I have something a little poetic, perhaps, uh, seeing that we're heading into fall, mm-hmm. and this is uh, some new music 
from a performer or band called Slow Leaves. And ah. essentially, uh, Slow Leaves is the singer-songwriter, also known as Grant Davidson, who I had the uh, pleasure of meeting a couple of weeks ago when my son, uh, Micah Ehrenberg, and Grant Davidson were on their way out west oh, to tour. Touring uh, together. They, they, well, Micah was uh, opening for him, and uh, Slow Leaves was, uh, was the main draw. Very and, cool. Uh, so as they were heading out of town, I, I was able to uh, shake Grant's hand, and uh, I wanted to feature a song by Grant Davidson. Um, he's ready to celebrate the release of his new album called Enough About Me and it's a long awaited um, follow up I guess to his uh, acclaimed 2014 album which was called Beauty Is So Common he's been busy lately he's had a lot of different gigs um, he landed a spot in the Juno Masterclass oh, and wow. um, he hit the road um, recently including some international showcase spots at Focus Wales in the UK and South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. So he's, um, he's really turning heads and um, I think um, our audience will really enjoy this. If they were out at Harvest Moon Festival last weekend, they would have seen a sold out performance by Slow Leaves. And um, I wanted to feature uh, this tune because Grant, actually, if you want, if you want to catch Grant Davidson, he will be at the West End Cultural Center on September the 28th to share this new album with a hometown audience. So here is a song by Grant Davidson, also known as Slow Leaves. The tune is called How Do I Say? And you're listening to River City 360 with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell on 93.7 CJNU. Poets than me 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on a very important project uh, here in Winnipeg, and that's Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017. We've covered some stories that related to Vital Signs in the past here on RC360, uh, but throughout the past year, there's actually been a compilation of surveys and data to really kind of hone in on the vitality of our community. The process has been underway for over a year now, uh, including both online and telephone surveys. You might have been... Uh, included in our data so we're excited to share the results in a couple of weeks after the report is released on October the 5th. Uh, it's basically the report is going to be a snapshot of the needs, the trends, the strengths and uh, the areas of improvement for all of Winnipeg based on 10 individual categories. You can stay tuned to River City 360 in the in the following weeks and also visit the Winnipeg Foundation's website at www.wpgfdn.org slash vital signs for more information. We've got more River City 360 coming up after our next musical break, but here is Jack DeMello with Tiny Bubbles right here on River City 360. Thank you. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we have time for one last song before we go. And seeing as how we're over halfway through September, and uh, we've experienced this quite a bit, I would say, over the past couple of weeks, here is September in the Rain by Peggy Lee right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell here with you today. And it's time for our glance at all the events that are coming up here in our city in a segment we like to call This Week in Winnipeg. And to start things off, uh, FemFest, which we featured on last week's show, it's a celebration of female theatre artists here locally as well as across Canada. Uh, It continues until Saturday, September 23rd, and we actually spoke with the artistic director of Sarasvati Productions, uh, which puts on 
FemFest. Uh, her name is Hope McIntyre, and she was on last week's show, and you can hear that full interview by downloading the podcast by visiting rivercity360.org. And to get more information on FemFest, because there's a whole lineup of events to go check out, you can go to sarasvati.ca forward slash FemFest. And Winnipeg's art, the Winnipeg Art Gallery's Insurgents Resurgence exhibit opens this Friday, September 22nd. It's the gallery's largest exhibit of Indigenous art ever, actually, with works from 29 Indigenous artists. If you're a member of the WAG, there's a member preview from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., and it opens to the public from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. That's Friday, September 22nd. There's also a family gathering event happening for the following day, which is Saturday, September 23rd from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. You can bring all your family and friends to a special gathering that's celebrating the artists and artwork that's featured in Insurgents Resurgence, which is the WAG's, as I said, largest ever exhibition of contemporary Indigenous art. And it's free admission on September the 23rd. Again, that time is from 1 to 4 p.m. There's also, if you happen to be at the Forks, there's the 2017 annual Honey Show that's taking place on September 23rd and 24th. Um, there's a few different things that you can check out while you're there. Uh, you can talk with the beekeepers. You can take pictures of the honeybees. Uh, there's also uh, different honey products that you can purchase as well. So if you're into honey, definitely something to go check out. And that's taking place at the Forks Market on September 23rd and 24th. That sounds really sweet. <laughs> don't, oh. don't encourage me. Don't encourage me. Up next, we've got the Thin Air 2017 Winnipeg International Writers Festival taking place September 22nd to 30th. There's 68 events, uh, over 66 writers, 65 books, and 25 venues all included. If you want more information and you enjoy a good book or a good conversation with a writer, visit thinairwinnipeg.ca. And if you want to check out some of the stars in the night sky... Uh, there's a great event happening a little bit beyond the city at Oak Hammock Marsh. It's happening September 21st, so actually tonight, uh, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's called Astronomy Night, and it's a chance for you to meet members of the Royal Astronomical Society um, and to find out what constellations you'll be able to see in the sky this fall, and you'll also be able to learn a little bit more about each of those constellations. So uh, again, that's Astronomy Night happening tonight from 8 to 10 p.m. at Oak Hammock Marsh. Um, tonight being, of course, September 21st, if you're listening to the Thursday show. And uh, it's $5 for members of Oak Hammock Marsh and $10 admission for non-members. And if you have an event that you'd like to promote here on CJNU or on the River City 360 podcast, give us a call, 204-944-9474, extension 360. Give us uh, all the information you can about uh, your event, the date it's happening, where you can go, and any website or more information as needed. Again, that number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Absolutely. And if you'd like to send us an email instead, you can also do that by sending it to RiverCity360. That's RiverCity360 at WPGFDN.org. So that's, again, RiverCity360 at WPGFDN.org. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in to us today. And a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking with us on today's episode. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. If there's anything that you'd like to chat with us about uh, regarding the show that you just heard, we would love to hear your feedback. Give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also request a song if there's something you'd like to hear during the show next week, or if there's a topic that you think that we should cover on the show, an upcoming event or a charity that's doing good work here in our city. Give us a call, let us know. Again, our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on the Facebook search bar as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening to today's show, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.